You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 24, powered by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Posey, who, if you ask him nicely enough on Twitter, at KP underscore show, will Venmo you $10 because that's just the kind of guy he is. Kyle, how you doing, brother? None of that is true. I will not send you any <laughs> money. I don't have $10 to send you. I'm great, Michael Kist. How's life, man? How you doing? It doesn't sound like you're great if you don't have $10 to send our loyal <laughs> listeners. Anyway, so let's set the table for the show today. And it's been one that we've been kind of teasing for a while now. It is our football guy guy special. We're doing offense today. So we're going to be talking about not necessarily the best players at their positions, but the ones we feel we probably love more than most or guys that don't get the credit they deserve or maybe they're just psychos and we appreciate that part about them. So we'll run down the line from quarterback to right tackle. We'll hit all the positions on offense and we'll talk about our bays there. Before we do that, a reminder to smash the subscribe button, leave five stars in Apple Podcasts, leave a written review. If it's in the form of a question, one of our hosts will probably answer it on the show and give you a shout out. So take the two minutes to do that as it really helps us out with what we're doing here. Also, tell your friends, get them in on the discussion. Tell them you found a great NFL podcast where one of the hosts is giving away crisp $10 bills for bugging them on Twitter at KP underscore show. All right, enough of that. Let's get into our football guy guys. And just so I don't have to keep repeating that phrase, because I'm sure it's going to get tiring after a while, we'll shorten that up to FGGs. And the first one, the quarterback position, Kyle, I wasn't really sure on this one, because I feel like for the most part, people love it. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson here, but maybe this one is more of a discussion as we peek around the league and maybe see if these guys are up to the FGG standard of low-key excellence. Uh, the guy I initially slated here, as I said, is Deshaun Watson, because when your team goes like 4-12 and you're the quarterback, I think it's easy to get caught up in like quarterback wins. I know Pete Sweeney's a big believer in that, so he probably hates Deshaun Watson. I'm just going to give him that opinion without actually asking him. But when you, when you look at Deshaun, is he an FGG in your opinion? Yeah, I think when in doubt, just go with one of the best players at the position and in this <laughs> scenario because, you know, Watson is on the quote-unquote trade block. He's not available for trade, but he said he wants out. And instantly you hear his record or you hear, you know, just what he's done with the Texans or what he has not accomplished. But that ignores everything <laughs> when you talk about the Texans because their defense, terrible. Their offensive line, not great. Their supporting cast around Watson, not good. The play caller, not good. The scheme in Houston, not any good at all. Mm-hmm. What what Watson was able to do this past season was unlike anything that I've really seen in recent years. And I know it's hard to say that because he only won four games. But without Watson, I don't know if they win a game. I know that they're nowhere near as competitive as they were. Uh, just, yeah, I think if we're just talking about the quarterback position with everything that Watson is able to overcome, 
he has to be the FGG. I agree. And th- there's one other guy that I really like that I'll throw out there. Brian Fitzpatrick. Like, he's got to be, like, the ultimate FGG, right? With the, the beard, and he's so likable, and he's a great teammate. And, like, I really feel like the Miami Dolphins would have made the playoffs if they stopped messing around with him and Tua and just let Fitzpatrick do his thing. And maybe, maybe he crashes and burns. I mean, we've seen that before. He's a volatile quarterback, but that's kind of, like... What I let the guy is fearless. He does he does not care. He has no memory. He just goes for it. And I appreciate that. The throw he had against the Raiders, where he had his face mask turned sideways, and he still ripped off like a fifty like fifty yards in the air to Mac Collins. Just unbelievable. When you look at like the rest of the quarterbacks around the league, Kyle, is there anybody as likable or near like near likable as a Ryan Fitzpatrick? As a Deshaun Watson, are you a low-key Taysom Hill fan? Are you a Tyler Henneke milkshake duck fan? Like, where, where's your head at when you look at quarterbacks? And like, who are the ones that you have the most fun watching that maybe aren't like the Patrick Mahomeses of the world? So Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the tip of my tongue. So we agree there. And yeah. just because whenever you see him, he's making those fadeaway throws. But they're com- he's completing these throws. And I love, love, love variants at, a QB, at the QB position. And that's what he gives you. Like, if if you're looking for the word variance, your Ryan Fitzpatrick in the dictionary is probably going to be have a picture right there. So, no, I I don't think so. I, I like that you threw out Hineke. He's a fun watch. Um, other than that, not really, just because everybody else is, I don't want to say, like, stuck in their ways, but you're just not going to find a quarterback as fun as a Fitzpatrick. So I think we, we're good there. I like it. I like it. So that's the quarterback position. So we've got two guys there. Let's go to the running back position. I'm going to go with Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, the rookie rushing champ, and he turned into a star over the second half of the season. Seven straight weeks over at least 70 yards rushing with over four yards of tote in each game. He put up eight touchdowns in the last five outings, just balling. He had a monster 30 carry, 253 yard, two touchdown day against the Jaguars. What I like about his game is like he's one cut, see it, hit it, slam the gas and go. And he's got the burst in the afterburners to do it and do truly has a second gear. I think you saw that in the Raiders game, right? The the 62 yard touchdown where he split three defensive backs with his 4.39 speed. Like when I watch running backs, Kyle, I, I think the one thing that irritates me the most is when the scheme gets them one-on-one with DBs in space and the guy can't do anything against them, right? Where the design does everything for the back, and the back adds nothing to it. But you go, oh, okay, cool. He had 15 yards on this run. That's great for him. But what did he do? And I don't get that vibe with Taylor. He's got just enough wiggle to go with that speed to make guys miss. He knows how to set guys up in space. I mean, we saw him break Joe Schobert's brain when he ripped off a 45-yard touchdown in that performance against the Jaguars. So that's my guy at the running back position. And Kyle, I think you know my thoughts on drafting running backs high and how much they matter or don't matter and all that. But for what Taylor is going to give you, at least in a four-year window, I think I'm perfectly happy if I'm the uh, if I'm the Colts spending a 41st overall selection on him and they're getting a decent ROI out of him. So I can't hate the uh, the return on investment there. Kyle, let's go to uh, wide receivers. They matter a little bit a little bit more here. Let's go to your your first guy. Who is your FGG at wide receiver? Yeah, so we were talking about this a little bit before the show and I I almost went with his teammate, but a football guy in this situation, like it has to be Robert Woods because the Rams ask him to do everything. On one play, he will be like a lead blocker on an insert play. On the next play, he will get a jet sweep. On the next play, he'll catch a third down pass and move the sticks for the Rams. He he is a fun player. I don't think he gets enough credit, but I think McVay understands the value of a guy 
with Robert Woods. And every year, it just seems like he does more than what he's expected to do. This past season, you know, 90 catches. The season before, 90 catches. You know that's what you're going to get when you have Robert Woods. And aside from that, he's a good runner, good blocker, just a tough guy. You know, every football, you know, kind of adjective possible, that's Robert Woods. So um, when I think of a football guy, guy, I'm thinking of Robert Woods. Yeah, and I think he's a bit underrated too because, yeah, he's got the he's got the yards, but like he's never had over six touchdowns in a, in a season. He had two touchdowns in 2019, and I think he was kind of slept on and the Rams didn't think so. The Rams paid him, you know, a four-year, $65 million contract. And I remember doing like his full scouting evaluation. I was like, this guy is so freaking tough over the middle. I didn't expect a guy his size to be as tough. Now, like you mentioned, the blocking in that area too. So there's a lot that he does uh, for this team. Absolutely love his game. I think he's a great route runner. When I look at wide receivers for me, I think there's there's one that I mentioned earlier in the season. It's Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals. And obviously his production took a dip at the end of the season. They didn't have Joe Burrow, everything like that. But before that, he had two consecutive uh, years over a thousand yards. Really just kind of slept on because he's with the Cincinnati Bengals. But the guy I really want to dig in on is the wide receiver from the, from the Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley. I mean, the guy tied for fourth in receiving yards. And how can you be on this list? Like you play in the shadow of Julio Jones on a team that's only like won 18 games in three season. So that's how that happened. So this was essentially like his breakout year, like career highs and a couple of key stats here. Receptions go from 64 to 90 yards, jump from 866 to 1,374. He yells in nine touchdowns, which was only outdone by his 10 touchdown rookie performance. And like we all should have known by then. I mean, I get touchdowns are volatile and are a lot about red zone opportunity. We mentioned it with Robert Woods, but you could tell from year one that Calvin Ridley was going to be a stud. And, and part of the boon for Ridley was was Julio not playing after week 13. And right around that time, Ridley topped 100 yards four straight times. Super consistent production for the last seven weeks of the season. He is silky smooth as a route runner. Uh, everything has advertised coming out of college. And speaking of which, Kyle, I don't, I don't know if you remember the, the debate around him uh, coming out after his combine performance. But I remember a stink being made from certain folks in the in the draft circle about a couple performances there, namely the vertical jump of only 31 inches, which was seventh percentile, and the broad jump, which was second percentile. Also, his uh, 20-yard shuttle, the short shuttle, was pretty terrible, if I remember correctly. And look, I just slapped, didn't care at the time. And I'm not I'm not saying it, it was all about like trusting the tape and like but you go back to the film and you see if you miss something there. And when I did, I didn't feel like this was a guy I was expecting to be some like contested catch jump ball. Maybe and I wasn't worried about his long speed. I expected him to win on the ground with the polish in his releases, the technique, the ability at the break point in his routes. And I, I remember a specific conversation around this time. I think it was right after the combine, in fact where Dane Brugler and Jeff Cavanaugh were talking about it on their old draft pod. And, and Brugler's uh, rebuttal to all the criticism of Ridley was, and I'm, and I'm loosely paraphrasing here, but if you, th if you think it matters after watching the tape, you need to wear a sign that says, I don't know what I'm looking at. And that's that really stuck with me. And that encapsulated like all of the argument for me, the combine critiques, the dynasty folk talking about breakout age and dominator rating, whatever other useless stat they have. Evaluations aren't always as easy as Calvin Ridley. And it wasn't even about projecting him as a dominant force like Julio, but as a plus starter in the league that could be very productive. And he's proven to be just that, Kyle. So his combine, he ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. His 20-yard yep. shuttle was a 4-4-1. That is tough to do. That is 
not great. But when you watch Calvin Ridley play, you see a fast guy. You see one of the best route runners in the NFL. And I don't think anybody would argue that. So when you say winning on the ground, that's what he does. I actually think he's better in the NFL than he was in college, which yeah. says something because he was a very good collegiate player. But yeah, I, I just I imagine people would have a better idea of Ridley if the Falcons weren't always on the news for blowing, you know, for doing the wrong things. But yeah, I think a football guy, guy, when you look up, when you think of Ridley, you know that you're going to get a guy who's going to get open all the time. And he's a reliable player. And when you want, and as an offensive coordinator, that's what you want. So yeah, I, that's funny. You just bring up the draft talk because he ran a 6.883 cone. That matters, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? 40s yeah. and three cones with wide receivers, man. Keep everything else, especially if they are winning and winning consistently. So let's go to the tight end position here. And there, there's one guy that I really, really love that's kind of like oh, probably a little bit more mainstream. But there, there's a guy that you like that I don't hear talked about at all. And I remember him mossing uh, one of the Philadelphia Eagles linebackers, Alex Singleton, if I'm not mistaken, in the, in the back of the end zone. Who, who is your uh, FGG at tight end? Former quarterback, and this is going to be a theme. Guys who switch positions, football yes. coaches love them. Like, that is what you want. So, Logan Thomas, former quarterback, and actually coming out of Virginia Tech, did you watch him? Yeah. People were kind of high on him or thinking, like, he could be a project. He could turn into something. People thought, like, he was, like, the perfect fit for Bruce Arians because he had the big <laughs> arm, could push it down the field, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, he comes into the NFL, and he makes a switch, was drafted in the fourth round. And this past season, with – the current quarterback situation that Washington has, he still found a way, 72 receptions, 670 yards, averaged 9.3 yards per reception, also had six touchdowns. He was just consistent, and he made plays. And as you mentioned, he mossed the Eagles guy against Seattle. He had 13 catches for 101 yards. He just feels like he has a higher ceiling, and this is kind of the first year he sort of put it together. So I just imagine once they get an actual quarterback that can, you know, that can hit guys down the seam with accuracy, Logan Thomas is going to just blow up. But it, it was just fun to see him kind of come into his own this past season. And I imagine we're, he's only scratching the surface. You mentioned like guys that, that convert. And there's a, there's a guy that the Eagles are trying to do this with. They're trying to do this with former University of Buffalo quarterback Tyree Jackson. They signed him to a futures deal. They're going to convert him to tight end. So another quarterback turned tight end. We'll see if they can make the Logos. This happened, by the way. I mentioned the Logos Thomas Mossing, Alex Singleton of the Eagles. This happened not too far after that. So the Eagles were like, hmm, maybe we can do something like that. And and Tyree's like 6'7", right? Like he's massive. I actually think it's a detriment to him because like that front leg locks as a quarterback when you have like those long legs. And I think it really affects the way that you that you throw the ball. It doesn't necessarily show up in his college in college as much, but in the pros definitely. So he's making the position switch. Maybe he'll be an FGG for the future. And maybe that's a bright spot for the Eagles because they are certainly needing some. Anyway, enough about them. Let's get to a tight end that I that I really like. And I said this guy might be more mainstream. And uh, I, I, I don't know if he's as appreciated nationally as much as he should be. It's Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders. And maybe he is appreciated like that. I just don't see the discussion around tight ends with him involved. It's always around Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. But man, with Waller, like you just don't find many 6'6", 255 pounders that can hit nearly 22 miles an hour at full speed. And that's Waller, man. Dude's a freakish athlete. He's a nightmare matchup piece. And you look at his production from the end of the year. Dude just went on a tear from week 13 and on going through their individual games. 
13 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns against the Jets. 7 and 75 the next week, 9 and 150 plus a touchdown against the Chargers. 5 and 112 the next week. And then to close out the season, nine catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown against the Broncos. This guy put up the most yards after the catch of any tight end this year with 594 yards coming after the catch alone. Second most in total receiving yards. And he's doing all of this without being detached from the line and deployed as a wide receiver like Travis Kelsey is all the time, right? Like Kelsey has nearly 600 snaps at either slot receiver or outside receiver. He's essentially an X receiver. Waller spends way more time in line. I'm hoping maybe next year they let the guy work in space a little bit more. When you look at tight end, I mean, it, Kyle, maybe maybe you can add to this discussion because you're probably always having the Kelsey Kittle discussion. Is Waller like ever mentioned in there? No, he's not, and I think he should be because if you just that was a good point. Just he's an inline tight end. He's an actual inline tight end, and most it seems like most of his routes are just coming off like screens and flats. They, they just throw it to him real quick, and he does everything else, which is impressive. But you think of the athlete he is, so. 238, 240 pounds, 37 inch vertical, 446. Like that's a guy you just want to get, get him the ball and get out of the way. And that second half tear, that, that he went on that you just mentioned, that's something that you would imagine he could do a lot if they just give him the opportunity. And I remember we saw, you know, I, I believe it was Bill Belichick kind of double him early in the season and took him out. But yeah. man, what other teams, they really had zero answer for him. And if you just leave him one on one, there is not a linebacker or safety that is going to guard that really has a chance, stands a chance to guard him. You want to know if a guy is a good football player, pay attention to who Bill Belichick throws his resources at trying to stop because Darren Waller is one of those guys. I think another nominee for football guy guy there uh, for tight end. I think eventually he's going to be Dallas Goddard. I think he can I think he can hit that ceiling, especially with uh, Zach Ertz. I mean, he's probably going to be moving on from Philadelphia, but we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm a big fan of his. And I think uh, he, he'll get some more recognition maybe when they stabilize the quarterback position, which who knows what's going on with the quarterback position in Philadelphia, but whatever. We're going to be talking about more guys across the NFL when we come back here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 24. That's coming up next, right after this. And we are back here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 24, powered by the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist here with Kyle Posey. We're talking football guy, guys, some of our players that we love from around the league. And now we get to talk about the guys in the trenches. And we'll start from left tackle and then we'll kind of move through to right tackle. At left tackle, I think my guy is Denver Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles. And this is this is probably a weird one because for me, this is part Bowles and it's part Broncos offensive line coach Mike Munchak, uh, who is the key for this selection for me because what he's done with Bulls is spectacular. So it's a real FGG thing to shout out an offensive line coach. Yes. Take notes, gentle yeah. listeners. And really, if you if you look at Munchak's uh, track record for development, it shouldn't be much of a surprise. But I was a Bulls fan coming out of college. I thought he really disappointed in his first couple of years. Uh, but this year is when he really put everything together, and he just looked like a more competent player. They kind of cleaned up his biggest issue, which was his inability to anchor as a pass protector. And now you got yourself a key cog in an offensive line that really needed it because that that whole unit was my biggest concern coming into the season outside of the quarterback play, which stunk. But and like people spent the entire offseason talking about the weapons that Denver had, but they were really overlooking the line, which on the whole didn't play like all that well. But they were much better than I expected because I thought they were going to be like a bottom five unit in the league, like easy. So, again, this has a lot to do with Munchak, who, I mean, just look at what the guy did in his time in Pittsburgh. 
And here in Philly, we give a lot of credit to their tremendous offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland, for the numerous stars that he's unlocked and helped hit new heights, but also for turning a rugby player into a serviceable tackle in Jordan Mailata. Munchak did essentially the same thing with Alejandro Villanueva in Pittsburgh, right? We talked about players switching positions. Villanueva played like four positions when he was in college. He was undrafted. He bounced around as a tight end trying to land on a team. He did some tours overseas in the, in, in the middle of all this. He lands with the Eagles for a stint, then ends up with the Steelers, and Munchak turns him from a tight end into a plus starter at tackle, just a tremendous job. And his work working with Bowles is just another bullet point on a long resume. And, and this is why landing spot is so key, key for guys. I put a lot of stock in offensive line coaches and their track record of development when projecting success of these young linemen entering the league. And it's, and it's not always a guarantee just because they land with Jeff Stoutland. We've seen that with, with Andre Dillard. But if you land with a guy like Munchak, You've got a much better chance at hitting your ceiling as opposed to going somewhere where they don't have a guy with that type of background. Kyle. I actually want to add in on Bowles because yeah. I think you were being too kind. I don't think he was as, you know, actually, let's, it's a Pal Be Unfair podcast. Let's just call it what it is. He okay. was not good the first two seasons, like at all. Yeah. He was not a good player. This I past guess. season, very, very, very good player. And, and you mentioned Munchak. That is a great point because let's walk through Bowles' career. First, First season as a rookie, blown block percentage, 3.2. Then it goes from 2.8, 2.5 to this past season, 0.7. That mm. is unreal. Sacks allowed, 8, 6, 7. This past season, one sack allowed. Like he was through the just unreal this past season. So that's a really good call. I'm going to go Elton Jenkins from the Packers, yeah. left guard, who is a man child. You should not be able to be that strong and move like the way he is able to move. So first game, Packers have an injury at right tackle. What do they do? They slide their left guard to right tackle. And he looks like a guy who's been playing there for the most of his career. Hmm. Um, they also had an injury at center. And what do you have to do? He had to fill in at center. And again, you have, there's no drop off at all, which is um, unreal considering who their center is. <laughs> Corey Lindsley is an all pro, but Jenkins, man, at left guard, he's a, just an athlete. And he, if he gets his hands on you, it's RIP. It's curtains, man. He, he's just not letting you go. He's going to drive you into the ground. I just think his future is so bright. The Packers, they, it feels like with Lindsey, with Bakhtiari, and now with Jenkins, they just have one of the most formidable lines in the NFL. Um, draft like the Packers, apparently, because they know what they're doing. Uh, Jenkins is my football guy guy at left guard. I really, I really like Jenkins coming out, and some people gave me some crap because I had him higher than Eric McCoy at at center. But I, I, I like what he's done at left guard in the NFL. I think he's a, a very, very good player. So I definitely agree with you there. I was a big fan of him. You're right, dude. Just Mauler. Let's go to another Mauler. Let's go to our center here. If I'm building an offensive line, I mean, outside of like Jason Kelsey, who I love, and like the, the, some of the obvious choices over the years, but like Ryan Jensen of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just want to play some audio from Ryan Jensen right here so you can get a feel for this guy's like mentality. This is from the yearly OL Mastermind Summit put on by Duke Mannyweather, and it's tremendous, especially the part where he talks about like scaring people out of their stunts. So it's a couple minutes long, but I guarantee you it's worth it. Let's run that. I play a little bit like a psycho, and it's just this is the way I've always played the game. Uh, started in college, my you know 230 pounds playing tackle. Granted, it's Division Two, but you know it's the only way I could I could play the game is being nasty finishing uh, and stuff like that. And when when you got defensive linemen talking about you and about how they hate you, they like, were just talking to Tyron about their D line, they said, you know, they, they dislike me quite a bit. And to me that's a compliment. I, I don't you know, it is what it is. 
but like the, the body blow thing is I think you know I've seen it I've seen it where if you if you put your will on somebody and and decide how they're gonna play that game uh, it, it changes them you know uh, I remember uh, last year and the first time we played Carolina uh, Julius they were running a TE and I came and popped him right on the chin and uh, didn't like knock him on the ground by I mean he felt it the next game we put it was like three weeks later we played him again they ran that same TE and I I literally was going to do the same thing and he literally backed out of the stunt like he, he didn't want no more he didn't want he want to get hit like that and to me that, that's just imposing your will on another on another man and with the body blows and stuff like that it it affects guys and it's always funny because I try getting guys pissed off at me where they're more worried about trying to kick my ass than make plays and that's like when when I when I have them doing when I got them to that point it's it's over I, I, I won like he's more worried about trying to push me over a pile or throw me you know throw me to the ground trying to do stuff like that. It, that, that. I'm like, all right, my days just got a lot easier because now he's he's not too worried about uh, trying to make plays and and you know make tackles and, and rush quarterback. He's trying to he's trying to me up. So that's the type of psycho that you're dealing with, Ryan Jensen. I, I, this guy is like the first one in there. Anytime there's like a late hit on a quarterback, like he's flying in there. Like he's the guy that you want on your side. Like if you're in a bar fight. And you're with Ryan Jensen. I guarantee you, the moment he sees something askew, he's flying across the room, just like ready to demolish somebody with a jukebox. And and he won the OL Masterminds Hot Wing Eating Contest. So who can't relate with a guy like that? That's a real FGG type of move. And and, and look, I've said a lot about his mentality and toughness, but it turns out he's also really good at football too. And you can bet your butt that Tom Brady loves having that guy protecting his butt. All right. Kyle, that was our center. What else you got going on along the offensive line? Yeah, right. That quote, Ryan Jensen just talking. <laughs> so if we're doing a lump in athletes on how they're wired, and I'm you already said it, so I'm just piggybacking off of what you said, gentle listener. Um, <laughs> offensive linemen are crazy. Like they are not wired the same as we are. You heard him say he essentially he's he gets off on, you know, other guys not being able to um, or just getting under other guys' skin. That's crazy. But that's what drives these guys. And I love that uh, offensive lineman. So we talked about uh, Wyatt Teller from the Browns all season. That's my guy. Another convert from defensive tackle. And all of a sudden, he's like the best right guard in the NFL. We don't have to spend much time on him. I'm going to jump to right tackle Rob Havenston. So I don't. did you remember watching him coming out of college? From Wisconsin? No, I, I, I don't actually know. So probably – the worst athlete that you will possibly see. Um, his, I think his three cone was in the eights Ooh. and his like 8.2 too. Like he wasn't just scratching the surface on the eights. I think his, uh, his short shuttle was like seven, six or seven, seven, just something that is very tough to run <laughs> for any size of uh, human being. But he is a guy that just gets it done. Um, and I don't want to get into like angle departures and offensive line talk, but he just <laughs> knows what to do and how to hide his athleticism. And, I mean, he, he does these quote unquote butt blocks to cut guys off. Um, yeah. He's just, he's just a fun player, man. And he always gets the job done. I think he did a really good job this past season of protecting Jared Goff, but as a run defender, man, he just finds ways to finish guys and to cut off guys, as I mentioned. So 
Rob Havenstein is a guy where we've talked about all these hybrid athletes and all these guys that are crazy and they can run fast and move well. Uh, Rob Havenstein, not that guy, but you would have no idea by watching him just because he gets the job done as a blocker. And I feel like at the end of the day, especially for an offensive lineman, there are they just want guys. They just want a guy who can block, and he mm-hmm. does his job well, and he does it at a high level. So we're gonna end that with Rob Havenstein from the. You, you, you mentioned it's such a. FGG thing to do to mention the butt block because I freaking love that. I've seen Lane do that in Philadelphia. It's essentially where they like they box guys out, like literally box guys out inside of inside of the phone booth there. And it's a really like unique way to to help create uh, a, a lane. And it's not holding, you know what I mean? Like they're just in the way. You just gotta find a way to get the job done. And Hamilton's doing that. So good, good for him. So that is our offensive football guy guy all-star team uh next time that we uh that we do this we'll be talking about the defensive side of the ball hit us up on twitter at kp underscore show ask for that 10 bucks if you submit your football guy guy to to kyle i think he might multiply that 10 bucks we'll find out you find out don't at me at kyle Kyle, any last words for the gentle listeners before we get out of here? I want to put you on the spot before we get out of here. So we're we're doing a sneak peek, obviously. One guy, football guy, guy on defense off the top of your head right now. Who do you got? Oh, dun dun dun. So it just it you could bail yourself out by just making it an expatriate, and you'll be good. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Brandon Graham. Oh, Philly guy. Okay. Yeah, that's the first one that popped to mind. Never had the like the b- bombastic sack production or anything like that, but just like one of the smartest players that you'll find. Great locker room guy, super positive attitude. Stripped Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, like the guy, the guy's super unheralded, but like what he's been able. And th- this is another example of a guy that for the first few years of his career just looked like a bust, like Garrett Bowles, and then was just able to turn things around and and be one of the one of the better players on the team. He's not the flashiest guy in the world. He just gets the job done. All the dog on time. So Brandon Graham, that'll be my early entry for for FGG, and we'll, we'll I'll pick somebody else at end, Edge Defender next time we talk. But that's gonna do it for the palpably unfair podcast episode twenty four, powered by the SB Nation NFL Show. I've been Michael Kist. He's been Kyle Posey. We thank you for joining us. Go dominate and have yourselves a day. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.